When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast. I am your host, Susie Hunter. We've got Kale Sorbo producing this beautiful Friday show. (laughs) Warm up the air horns. We're going to have a really good time together. Also, I am seeing... All right. I'm also seeing we have some stuff in the chat. We have a super chat. What a freaking treat. Uh, Burge, we will get to you in just a second because you have, you have some stuff to say and I have some stuff to say. I'm going to say my stuff first. I'm going to say my stuff first. But yeah, we have a, a fun Friday show for you guys. Listen, NL worst. I'm not saying the Rockies are the worst in the National League, although they were the worst in the National League this most recent season. I am just saying everyone in the NL West is going to have the worst time of their lives. Unless of course you are the Los Angeles Dodgers. We're going to talk about their latest big signing and also a key piece in the Rockies organization just got top honors. We're going to tell you more and special guest Josh Sushan of the Albuquerque isotopes is going to join the show soon He's already waiting in the wings. He will be joining us live from Albuquerque. And hey, I've got some TV suggestions for you for the weekend in case you are missing baseball. But of course, the biggest news, biggest news in baseball today coming out of the National League West. It is all over for the rest of us because the Dodgers signed Yoshinobu Yamamoto and Listen, according to reports, it is 12 years, $325 million. This ain't no Shohei contract. He is getting his money. There are no deferrals. $50 million signing bonus. Reportedly, there are a couple of opt-outs. Listen, apparently the Mets offered him the same amount of money. Apparently the Yankees offered just a little bit less. And he decided to go with the Dodgers. He chose L.A. So this is what we can expect to see from him for the next you know, decade plus of our lives. 1.21 ERA. That was over 23 starts in the 2023 season with the Oryx Buffaloes. He's got a fastball that touches 99, but averages around 95. He's got a four pitch mix. And here's the crown jewel low walk rate. Listen, Bud Black would love that control because we know he hates walks. We hear it all the time. LA's out there outspending the whole league. They've got Tyler Glass now. They've got Yoshinobu Yamamoto. They might even have Otani in the outfield at the end of the season. Yeah. What they don't have, though, what the Dodgers do not have, room on the 40-man. They need to make some room, make some transactions before it's officially official. But yeah, the epitome of throwing money at the problem. They've thrown more than a billion dollars around this offseason, and it's not even Christmas. Hey, Kale, I have a joke. Why do they call them the Los Angeles Dodgers? I don't know. Because they are out there dodging losses. That was terrible, but I'm happy I said I, it. I'll give you a 10 out of 10. <laughs> 10 out of 10! 
All right. Uh, we're going to bring Josh in in just a second. But first, this show is brought to you by Hestra Job Gloves. You're going to get the job done with these Hestra Gloves and uh, listen, I mean, we all have different kinds of gloves for different purposes. You've got your ski gloves. You've got your nice gloves. If you're going out, these you can do a little bit of everything. OK, they you guys have also heard us talking about these great for a last minute gift. Um, and here's the thing. You're not going to want to trash your ski gloves doing yard work or doing stuff out in the yard in the winter, or maybe you want to hold your beer with some nice warm gloves at the tailgate. Th these gloves do it all. They're waterproof. They're beer proof. It's a good time. Um, so yeah, they've got 40% off from now until December 23rd. That's tomorrow if you're watching live. So they've got a great deal going on. Visit hestrajob.us and use code DNVR40 to get that 40% off your next purchase now through December 23rd. So act fast and, you know, benefit fast. Uh, let's talk about Golf Passport 2 real quick. We are down to the wire here. Their prices are going to go up January 1st, so sign up right now. This is Colorado's number one golf discount program at 22 years running. So this isn't like a new thing. This is, they've been doing it and doing it well for a while. More golf, more lessons, more gear, more deals, up to 60% off on golf across the street, including across the state, including the Ridge, Common Ground, Keystone, and more. And you get a free golf cart every single time. And you'll get other discounts at the PGA Tour Superstore, at Golf Tech, and a lot of other indoor simulator facilities. But go to coloradoavidgolfer.com, use code DNVR10 to save even more on everything from golf news, stories, travel, and tech. You can also follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Golf Passport. Love them. All right. We have such a special guest coming. It's been a long time since he's joined the show, but we have the voice of the Albuquerque Isotopes, Josh Sushan, at his house in Albuquerque. Loving the offseason, I'm sure. But Josh, how are you doing? I'm excellent, Susie. It's good to see you and talk to you. Merry Christmas to you and everyone at DNVR. And thanks for having me back on the podcast. You know what? I, I, I've missed talking to you. I'm like, oh, wait, we have not caught up in a while and neither have you and the viewers. Um, we're going to this is some exciting news, but you guys, the Albuquerque Isotopes got a, got a big honor very recently. Yeah, just yesterday from the time that we are recording this, Baseball America named us the AAA Franchise of the Year. It's the Bob Freitas Award, and it's a big honor for the Isotopes. Super proud. It's, it's one of those times when you just realize that the Isotopes win this award, but really it's about the community of Albuquerque. Like We come up with these ideas, but the fans respond to them. They show up. They make the Mariachi game so special. They make every game so special. And so really, it's just a tribute to the fans believing in us and supporting us and coming out and us not taking the fans for granted. And it's the latest in the long line of reasons that makes me really proud to work for the Isotopes. You know, you don't do it to, to win these honors, but when someone does recognize you, especially a publication like Baseball America that knows these things better than anybody, then it makes you really feel proud. And, um, and again, it's just a credit to our fans. Yeah, congratulations. I mean, you guys have won this award before in 2007. Great year for the Rockies. I don't even think the Isotopes were part of the Rockies organization at that point. No, we were a Marlins affiliate back then. And interesting about 2007, that was the year that the Isotopes hosted the AAA All-Star Game. So a lot of times when you win these awards, it's because 
you hosted the AAA All-Star Game or the AAA National Championship Game, or you open up a new ballpark, or there's some like major thing that you do that gets people's attention. Really, we didn't do anything last year other than getting rid of the hill in center field. We didn't do anything any different than what we normally do. And so that's also a sense of pride that, no, this is just the consistency of what we do, and Baseball America recognized it, and it feels good. Do you think that Baseball America is rewarding the isotopes for getting rid of that hill? Well, if that is the case, we probably should have gotten rid of it a number of years prior. But, you know, um, a lot of our fans are actually very disappointed that the hill is gone. It was one of the major trademarks of the ballpark, especially if you're not the one falling down on the hill in center field. And it's really fun to watch others fall down and just to see how it impacts the game. But, um, you know, how, why, why we won, how we won, I really don't care. I, I just appreciate the fans doing what they did so that we could win. You know what? Um, I, I mean, I've been to uh, Isotopes Park this season. I, I know all of the amazing work you guys have put in. Um, so many, you guys like really do so much for the mariachi games. Yeah, you know, so... So for, for people who are not familiar, minor league mm-hmm. baseball came up with this idea. It was about five or six years ago now. And it was the idea was to really just embrace Hispanic culture and, and not just say Los Isotopes on Cinco de Mayo, but really let the community know that, that we care about you, that you matter to us. And we want to do these specific nights or days in which we just completely celebrate Hispanic culture. And especially for us in New Mexico, you know, because it has such a huge Hispanic culture. Um, each of the teams in minor league baseball that chose to participate came up with their own nickname, their own logo. And so we came up with mariachis, which is just super fun because mariachi bands are great and it just brings people together. And so the trick is to not do them too often so that they don't become too repetitive. Mm. And so we do them basically once a month or six times a year. And we'll have mariachi bands and folklorico dancers and different uniforms with this beautiful turquoise and all the different between innings promotions are really based on, on, on this theme. We've had low rider night. We've had uh, salute to Selena night, tribute to Selena. Uh, we've had live concerts with Al Hurricane Jr. And so we have face painting. There's just a whole lot of different things that we do in order to make the whole atmosphere just really feel like this is what it means to live in New Mexico. This is what it means to go to a baseball game in Albuquerque. And so they're really fun. And um, the fans just you know enjoy them and we enjoy putting on the show for them. Listen, I feel like minor league baseball has come such a long way from just being named after whoever the parent club is. This is, I I love what you guys do. I've seen it with my own eyes. Uh, It's amazing. We're going to get into some other, some other topics in just a second. Josh, stay with us. We have to shout out our friends at Breckenridge Brewery. They have been our partner since day one. Beer of the month. It's still the Christmas ale right here at the DNVR bar. $6 for a pint. This is a strong beer, too. This is probably the best deal in terms of beer of the month. Who doesn't love the Christmas ale, though? It's a new recipe, too. So if you've tried it in the past, try it again. Sounds good to me. They've got a beer for every occasion, too. No better way to watch a game or sit back and, I don't know, watch your family argue at Christmas dinner. It works for everything. You can try the Avalanche Amber Ale, too, the Mile High City Golden Ale, the Broncos Country Pale Ale, Fun Slinger, Good Company, Hard Seltzer, some of our favorites. But head to breckbrew.com. You can use the beer locator to find a brew near you. And uh, you can find some Shady Rays near you. 
Because they've got gear built to last and the best protection program in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses backed by their lost and broken replacements. So if you lose them or you break them, they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. They will not make you feel embarrassed like maybe some of my coworkers did when I lost my sunglasses on day one. They won't judge you. But you can shop the entire collection, too, at the Park Meadows Mall, a full-stop shop for everything Shady Rays. And if you buy a pair and you don't love them, you have 30 days to return them or exchange them. Again, no questions asked, no risk. The team has your back. They've got an incredible deal. You guys might know about the deal. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code DNVR for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. So try for yourself the shades rated five stars by more than 250,000 people. All right, let's get Josh back in the mix because Josh has had the opportunity to see something that we're going to see in Major League Baseball pretty soon. The RoboUmps. They're not robots. It's the automatic ball strike system. Is that what it stands for? I think there's some confusion about that. Maybe it's just me, but you've seen how it's all gone down in AAA. Yeah. First of all, there's a lot of people who literally thought that it was going to be robot umpires and they were <laughs> highly disappointed when they came to the ballpark and they did not see R2D2 or some other droid or some robot behind home plate that it really <laughs> was a human being. So the way that it worked this past year is that, so the minor league baseball schedule, six game series, Tuesday through Sunday, same opponent. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the computer calls balls and strikes. It's automatic ball strike system or ABS. The umpire has an earpiece. And basically, as the ball is entering the catcher's glove, the umpire is hearing whether it's a ball or strike and lets everybody know. So there's no debating. There's it's, That's just the computer has made the strike zone. That's what the call is. And again, that's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Most ballparks have on the video board, including at Isotopes Park, where you see the grid and, and the players will turn around and look to see, did that just barely hit the corner? Did that just miss? And again, that is on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursday. Then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is what's known as the challenge system. And this is where the home plate umpire calls balls and strikes, and each team begins the game with three challenges. If you disagree with the umpire's decision, you can challenge it. Only a few people can challenge it, the pitcher, the catcher, and the batter. And most teams, including the isotopes, have said to the pitchers, you guys can't challenge because you're not objective. You think that everything is a strike, so only the catcher was allowed to challenge for the isotopes. You cannot look to the dugout for help. The dugout cannot yell help to you. We actually had a case early in the season where Elleris Montero or strike three called on him and the dugout was yelling challenge challenge so he did and the umpire did not allow the challenge because the um because he got help from the dugout um so again you get three per game if you get the call correct meaning if the player gets the call correct you retain the challenge if you are incorrect then you lose the challenge and again you only get three that's how it works okay um this is I, know fascinating that was too. I didn't i didn't realize that you couldn't ask for help it's not like the price is right you can be like three challenge it it's not like that correct you cannot although one of the things that i find amusing is once the fans start to get into it and just kind of like understand it you might hear the fans yelling challenge challenge there, there was a couple of times during the season we had a lot of fans yelling challenge and the player did and then the player was wrong <laughs> and i can only imagine how happy the umpire was like yep see you guys have been making fun of umpires for a century now and look i was right you were wrong 
interesting though that the crowd can yell challenge and you can listen to the crowd but you can't listen to your own bench correct but you still need to make the decision almost immediately i think that there's a little bit of a window there's not like a precise timer but you pretty much need to make the decision within a couple of seconds you can't really there's really not a whole lot of time to process it's just the idea that they don't want you to step out of the batter's box, look to the dugout, or have the dugout yelling at you, and then you decide to challenge it. You almost have to do it immediately. Interesting. I feel like it could be – I feel like there there must be a way to manipulate it. Like if there's a dude sitting behind home plate who's got a voice that carries, he's like, challenge it. Like a, like a, like a double agent kind of thing, a plant in the crowds. Well, ultimately, it still comes down to how well do you think you know the strike zone compared to how well does the umpire know the strike zone, right? So I actually enjoy asking people this question. I'm going to ask you, Susie. I'll put you on the spot. So I kept track, not of every game, but just the isotopes game. So what is your guess for what percentage of time the umpire was correct and what percentage the players, meaning the isotopes and their opponents, what percentage do you think they were correct? Ooh, this is good. I'm going to say I'm actually going to do 65-35 umps because I think we just notice more when the ump is wrong. But I feel like this is what their livelihood. They, I feel like they actually probably do know the strike zone pretty well, unless like you're Angel Hernandez or something. So you're definitely on the right track. The umpires were correct more often than the players were correct. It was right around 45% players correct, umpires correct, about 55%. And what I've actually noticed is that as the season went along, the umpires got better and better. There was actually a pilot program two years ago in just a handful of ballparks the final month of the season. And we actually had a game at Sugarland. And I forget the exact numbers, but it was something like there was 16 challenges in the game and the players were correct 13 times. The umpire just, I mean, the umpire just got embarrassed for being honest. But one of the things I found interesting, Susie, is that more times than not, when the umpire was incorrect, it's because he was calling a high strike and then the player challenged, the computer showed him he was wrong. And then as the game went along, he made the adjustment and he was no longer calling that high strike zone. In fact, I made a note of that umpire and that umpire had a game at Isotopes Park this year. There was only five challenges against him, and only one of them, the players got right. The other four, he was right. So I really do think that this has been a way that has really helped the umpires get better, so that they are better at their job. And we've definitely seen the results and how often a player challenges. One of the other things I think is funny, Susie, is especially when it's a batter who's challenging. I'm like trying to pretend I'm a batter here. When and, and it's like a, maybe it's like a big curveball, and like you know the knees buckle, you know, because you get fooled by it. And then the player's like, "Oh, challenge, challenge, challenge." This is the symbol, by the way, of challenge. And the player challenges, and then you go and and there's like a computer display. It's on the video board. Everybody turns around to look at the video board. Players, everybody, fans, look at it. And you see that not only was it a strike, but the entire baseball was in the strike zone. And that's where the batter just looks really bad because number one, he got embarrassed by getting fooled by the pitch. And then number two, it showed how wrong he was in complaining about this call when actually it was absolutely positively a strike. That is so funny. I never even imagined that the ABS or the challenge system I, I just never imagined that this automated system could make umps better. I think this actually could be kind of a win for everyone. I, I can't believe I'm saying this. 
Yeah, you know, and also for the players too. So I know that Cole Tucker, big, big friend of the DNVR podcast. Mm -hmm. And so Cole was on our team. And I remember talking to Cole about, about the ABS this year and the challenge system. And he told me that when he first started playing professional baseball, he was definitely a swing at everything kind of guy. Didn't draw a lot of walks, didn't have a lot of confidence in what the strike zone was. And so he just swung early and often. And as his career has gone along, he's gotten a better idea of the strike zone. And he said that this system has actually made him much better at the strike zone because when he's in the field, he turns around to look after every pitch. Because again, almost every single ballpark on the video board, it has the grid that shows you exactly where the pitch is. So he's looking at it from whatever position he's out on the field and he plays all over the place. And he's thinking in his mind, he watches the pitch and thinks, was that a ball or a strike? Then he turns around and sees exactly where it was. And same thing when he's at the plate. He's up there and he takes the pitch and he'll look up to see where it was. Or after a swing and a miss, he'll look to see just how close it was to the strike zone. And this past year, he had higher walks, better on-base percentage than at any point in his career. And he thinks a big reason, I'm paraphrasing here, obviously, but he thinks a big reason is because of this system that it helped him understand the strike zone better. This is absolutely fascinating. Do we have? Do we know when this could be coming to the majors? I feel like we still have a couple of years left before we see this up in Colorado. Yeah, I don't know. This is the short answer is I don't know. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if we do see this, whether it would be the straight computer system or whether it would be the challenge system. I have a feeling that it would be the challenge system. I feel like more people who I talk to, whether it's coaches, scouts, umpires, uh, players, obviously prefer the challenge system. They like that there's a human element to it. They like that there's a little bit of strategy that's involved in terms of when you use your challenges so that you don't you don't waste them early in the game. You don't waste them. We actually had a game, Susie, where the first pitch of the game was challenged. It was not by an isotopes uh, player. It was by the other team. He got it wrong. It's the least significant pitch of the game, which 95% of the time batters just let it go by out of habit. And this dude challenged it, and he got it wrong. So I think that also goes to show how selfish players can be at certain times if they're challenging something, and it's really not a really important time in the game. So mm. I think that's interesting. But again, to go back to when we might see it, I don't know. My guess, based on what I've read and just kind of trying to read the tea leaves, is that baseball wants to let everybody get used to all the new rules that, that they just implemented last year. The, uh, the tinkering of the rules that they announced yesterday, kind of let everybody just get used to those where that becomes the new normal. And then once you get the players union, the umpires union, all the different people, I don't know for sure if you need all those people. I would assume you want most of them to buy in. I would think two years from now, three years from now is when we might start to see something like it. There's still a lot of questions too, Susie, about, okay, we have a computer to tell us whether it's a ball or a strike, but there's still human beings who are programming the computer to tell us whether what's the strike zone. The first year, I know this is a really long answer, sorry. The first year <laughs> it, was the, it was home plate, which is 17 inches. And they also added one inch on each side of home plate. So it was 19 inches. But also the circumference of a baseball is about two and three quarters. And if any part of the baseball touches any part of the strike zone, then it was considered a strike. So I'm doing some math here live, but you got a 17 inch plate, one inch side, that's 19. Let's call it two and a half. You're talking about like a 26 inch strike zone this way. Last year, they cut it down so it was just the 17 inch plate as opposed to that extra inch. And then you have to decide okay, when Aaron, Jones, uh, Aaron Judge versus, uh, uh, you know, Jose Altuve's at the plate, you know, how are we going to shrink it? <laughs> so there's a lot of different things like that that still need to be completely ironed out and decided what we actually think is the strike zone before we actually do this in the major leagues.
Fascinating. I feel like when I was in Albuquerque, there were some tinkerings of the pitch clock, some tinkering of the strike zone. So that, is that was that is that true? Was there some changes that came like later in the season this past year? Um, I believe it was the Florida State League. There, there, there was there mm-hmm. are also like tinkering in different leagues, so they can basically have like a, a control group and then like a non-control group. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we're looking at is that when you think about like a square. Most human umpires do not do the extreme squares. There's kind of like a rounded edge in the minds mm-hmm. of how most umpires call it. So there's been some tinkering to, to kind of round off the edges. I think that when most players are the peak of their frustration is when a strike is called on them and then you look at it on, on the grid and it just barely hit the very, very top outside corner. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an area where that just doesn't look and feel like a strike with your eyes. And so I think that there's going to be a rounding off of those edges a little bit more. But what I know baseball is also concerned about is ultimately they just want more balls in play. They want fewer walks. They want fewer strikeouts. They just want more action. And so another part of what they're looking at is whether it's the, 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 the width of the strike zone, whether it's the height of the strike zone, the rounded edges, is this leading to more walks? Is this leading to more strikeouts? Because that's what they're trying to avoid. They want just faster, quicker games with more action so that we can just see the players, these great athletes, be athletes on the field as opposed to a bunch of walks and strikeouts. This is fascinating. I mean, listen, Bud Black hates seeing his pitchers walk, dudes. So, you know. I guess that would be good. He would probably like it. Anyway, Josh, uh, before I let you go and, you know, continue on, you know, this Christmas weekend, uh, I want to know what you've been up to this offseason because you have been so active. You are writing constantly. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I, uh, I don't feel like it's constant. So before I was a broadcaster, I was a newspaper reporter. I spent 10 years as a writer and I've been lucky enough to publish um, three books. And so writing is something that I enjoy. It's something that I don't always have the time to do, but it's something that I enjoy and I've actually missed it. And so I decided to go back to my writing roots, not on a full-time basis, but just as a side thing for fun. So I went to Substack, which is this really great platform for both writers and also for people who love to read. And I just started an account and it's really easy to find. It's Josh Sushan's newsletter on Substack. And I write a very wide variety of things. I found myself writing about things that I didn't think that I was going to write about. Um, Most of it is still baseball, but I try to just think of things that everybody else is not writing about and just try to think of things in a different way. Hmm. Sometimes I'll write about the other sports teams that I care about. Sometimes I'll just write about friends. Sometimes I'll just write about um, like a favorite shirt, which I wrote about the other day. I donated my favorite shirt to... A, um, a, a local nonprofit here. And I just thought about all the great times that I had with that shirt and all the ridiculous photos I had of me in that shirt. And so I wrote basically a tribute to that shirt and people seem to like it. And uh, yeah, I definitely don't take it too serious, but um, I'm trying to just have fun with it. And again, you just go to Substack and just look for my name, Josh Sushan. It's pretty easy to find. I love that. You know, I said I was going to let you go, but Will Carpenter in the chat has a question that I, I think you could probably answer. Um, so the automated, this is what he asks. So the automated strike zone only shows if the ball crosses the plate in the strike zone. It doesn't reflect swings, question mark. Well, uh, can you can you answer this question? Yeah, for sure. If somebody swings, then it doesn't matter what the computer oh, says, yeah. right? Like a swing and a miss is a swing and a miss. A swing and a foul ball is, is a foul ball. Great um, point. 
Yeah, so so the other part, Will, is that in terms of like where the sensors are for the plate, I think this part is interesting. There's eight different cameras set up at the ballpark and they're triangulated, which is one of my favorite words. They're triangulated. And basically the, um, the, the point is right smack in the middle of the plate. The middle this way, the middle that way, right smack in the middle is where all the sensors are pointed to. And so what happens, sometimes is there's what I would call an optical illusion where maybe the catcher has his glove right here and he moves it down, especially if it's a curveball. And where the catcher receives the ball, it looks like a ball because it's so low. But remember, the catcher is not right at home plate. He is behind home plate. And so that's where it becomes really easy to think that the computer is malfunctioning because of where the catcher receives the ball versus where the sensors are pointed, mm. which again is right in the middle of the plate. That is such a great point. Um, uh, yes, we're, we're we're working in the we're working in a three dimensional world, not a two dimensional world. So it's tough, kind of trying to put a two dimensional box in a three dimensional situation. Yeah, and, and this is all part of look the minor league baseball. We are, we are, we are test. We are a pilot program. That that's what the point of the minor leagues is, is that this is where you test out if players are good enough for the major leagues, if umpires are good enough for the major leagues, and also whether these rules are good enough for the major leagues. What we saw in the major leagues last year had been tested in the minors over the last couple of seasons, and so we will continue to be guinea pigs. And I actually think that's what we should be used as guinea pigs. And more times than not, AAA is the, is the biggest guinea pig because these are the players who are the oldest, they have the most experience, they're closest to the major leagues. And from what I've read, major league executives want players in the major leagues who, have, who are already used to these rules. And so if you're testing them out with a bunch of 18 and 19 year olds in rookie ball or single A, well, they're just trying to adapt to professional baseball and they mean it even reach the major leagues because it's so hard. But if you've got AAA guys, a lot of them have already been in the big leagues. A lot of them will be in the big leagues. They have the most experience and it's easiest for them to make these um, adaptations. Uh, beautifully said, Josh. Thank you so much. Um, I, I learned a lot. I think everyone else learned a lot. Shout out to everyone in the chat asking such great questions. But Josh, thank you so much for, for coming in, for taking the time on a Friday night to join the show. Uh, but enjoy the holiday season. Thank you very much. Thank you, Susie, everyone at DNVR and all the audience. And uh, yeah, anytime. Talk, well, I love talking baseball. It's fun. All right. We'll have you back in the new year. Maybe tomorrow. I don't know. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Get on out of here. All right. Uh, let's talk about our friends at Breckenridge Distillery before we really get into the comments and some other stuff that we want to talk about. But Breckenridge Distillery, they've got the official whiskey of the Denver Broncos. They also have a great Broncos-themed vodka. It's a new vodka commemorating the first alternate white Broncos helmets. It's called the Broncos Blizzard, and it'll match that white end zone that we're going to see, I think, on the Christmas Eve game. That'll be fun. So, listen, Breckenridge Distillery, more than award-winning spirits. They have an incredible, immersive guest experience. Head to the distillery. They've got an award-winning restaurant. At that restaurant, they serve show-stopping cocktails. You can learn about their highly awarded spirits with an in-depth tasting, and you can look inside of their active production facility, which I always think is so fun as like a group outing with friends. Uh, and listen, if you aren't a whiskey guy or a whiskey gal, um, you'll probably love Riki Salters because they're so freaking good. 
And they're not made with a bunch of crap. They're made with real Breck spirits, real award-winning Breck spirits. Those are my favorite. You can grab those here at the bar. You can try some uh, Broncos Broncos. You can try some Breckenridge Distillery uh, spirits at our watch parties here at the bar, at our tailgates. We've still got a couple left. Grab a taster. See if you like it. I, I bet you will. Breckenridge Distillery products available in all 50 states. So shop your local retailer or visit BreckenridgeDistillery.com for home delivery of award-winning Breckenridge spirits. I pray anywhere. Okay. And we got to talk about Hester Gloves, too. Um, the show is brought to you by Hester Gloves because I didn't talk about them enough in my last show. But, yeah, Hester Gloves, they've got a deal going on. You you just need to get those. You need to get them. Where's my freaking copy on this? All right, Hester Job Gloves, 40% off, as I mentioned, between now and December 23rd, which is tomorrow. So get to getting. Get yourself some job gloves. Don't ruin your nice ski gloves. Get some gloves that are actually made to do work. I like that. Hesterjob.us. Use code DNVR to get 40% off your next purchase now through December 23rd. Okay. We've got, we've got super chats. We've got comments. I, I'm sorry, Burge, for leaving you hanging for so long. We had a lot to get into. But we're going to get into this super chat. Um, all right. This is what he has to say. Although my favorite day... All right. Although my favorite day of the season is Dodgers Elimination Day, MLB is getting to the point where the NHL was after the 2003-2004 season. The difference between the teams like the Dodgers and everybody else is out of control. It might be worth forfeiting an entire season to get something along the lines of a salary cap or a salary cap slash salary floor or a much higher luxury tax in place. Yeah. I mean, like watching what the Dodgers are doing and how they are just so, I mean, off season wise moves wise, they're just light years ahead of everyone else right now. They've gotten the two most coveted free agents this off season in a matter of weeks of each other. How can anyone else possibly compete with that? And I mean, to be fair, you know, other teams offered a similar amount of money for Yamamoto but you know, you have to wonder, I mean, like, how do they get away with this? Is it just because they're the Dodgers? Is this like a thing that we can all participate in? Like we as in like me and all the other baseball teams. Hi, I'm a baseball team. But is this something that like every other team is going to start doing now? The whole deferred contract, the crazy, crazy amount. Like, I mean, honestly, Dick Monfort could afford to do that. I don't know. I don't know. Hi, it's crazy. This has been a crazy offseason for sure. We've seen transactions like we've never seen before and just amounts of money that we've never seen before. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. I feel like, though, I'm like, if you want to pay a guy that much, like, go for it. But at the same time, I uh, think that we're going to be very frustrated here in the NL West because of what we've seen the Dodgers do. I hope that answers your question. Anyone else wants to chime in in the chat, feel free we're going to, I'm going to address some other comments. Oh, AJ, our own AJ in the chat saying, I'm going to hate watch this show so hard today. I think that's the vibe. I think, especially us in the NL West, we are feeling it a little bit more in the rest of baseball than the rest of baseball. But damn, 
I, I, I feel like uh, the Yamamoto transaction is the thing that like, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm going to remember where I was when I heard it. I was out to dinner for my birthday, by the way, totally like wrecked the vibe. Totally wrecked the vibe. Justin in the chat. Hello, all Rockies. Resign Ty Block. Are you? Yeah. I mean, I think they will. Ty Block never goes far. You know, he gets he got DFA'd a couple of times last year. Still finds his way back. He likes Colorado. He's from Colorado. Great attitude. Such a positive guy. I at this point, I couldn't see him signing with someone else. I feel like he will find his way back to us. I, I feel like he will. Um, all right. What else do we have in the chat? Johnny, hello. Yes, I'm very excited for Christmas. Uh, will in the chat. If it snows on Christmas Eve, no one would ever be able to tell the end zone was painted white. And I think snow actually is in the forecast for that Broncos game. Very touchy stuff. Very, very fun. All right. Uh, Will, Tide doesn't go further down the block. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. We do have a little bit of Rockies news. Uh, Rockies do have a transaction from a couple of days ago. Matt Cook coming back on a minor league deal. He had declared free, free agency in October after being outrighted. Another guy who is not going super far. I like Matt Cook. I like Matt Cook. You know, we like a bullpen piece. Why not? Why not? We need him. Let's hold on to him. And he's not taking up room on the 40 man. Sounds good to me. A little Helton Hall of Fame update. We've got 9% of the Hall of Fame ballots in already. Currently, Helton has 29 votes. He has been trending pretty high. He's right now at 82.9% of all the votes that have come in so far. And that's as of 538 Mountain Time this morning. So we are keeping track. I just shout out to the guys who run the Twitter account that tr keeps track of the Hall of Fame ballots because y'all are doing God's work. We are just sitting here dying to see our guy, Todd Helton, in the Hall of Fame. I think he's got some really good odds. I think he's got a good chance. I think it will happen this year. He was very close last year. And despite John Heyman's and, you know, wishes, I think Helton will be in the Hall of Fame. So, Kale, 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 where are you on the Hall Helton Hall of Fame chat? Uh, I think he's going to get in this year, and I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, we're going to have a big party at the bar um, the day that that happens, by the way. Beow, 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 beow. Warm up the air horns. <laughs> I might just get an air horn, like an actual air horn for that day at the bar. I think that would be fun as hell. It would be a vibe. It would be a vibe. Uh, oh, AJ in the chat. F that one guy who dropped Helton for no reason. Right? Rude. Rude. Todd Helton needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Ugh. John Heyman really did have like the worst argument I've ever seen. Like, no, nothing against Coors, but I'm going to hold Coors against this guy. Shut up. The Coors effect affects guys at altitude as well. Oh, the Coors effect affects Rockies players too, not just visiting players. And not just in a good way. Yeah, you get the little boost from this air up here at elevation. But at the same time, you've got the opposite effect. When you bring yourself back down to sea level, it is an adjustment constantly. 
several times a week you are changing the, just the air that you are playing in. It's a miracle anyone gets anything done. Get, oh, I should get a Vuvuzela, says Will Carpenter. All right. All right. Guys, I mentioned I was going to give you some, some fun stuff to watch. I told Kale earlier, I was like, the trouble with the curve is on MLB Network tonight. If you want to watch some Justin Timberlake and Amy Adams. Uh, but also... Uh, I, I, I think this is fun. Maybe set your DVR or, you know, you can have it on Christmas Eve day, but on Sunday, an all day marathon of Ken Burns baseball, just like the most iconic tribute to baseball of all time. <clears throat> it's going to be an all day affair on MLB network. So I'm excited about that. I'm going to have it on. I'm going to make my family watch it. I'm heading out in like, you know, 12 hours. It's time for me to start moving. Kale, do we have a Nuggets game tonight? We do. It's in like 40 minutes. Oh, crap. <laughs> Where are the guys? <laughs> right over here. Oh, hey, guys. <laughs> All right. You know what? I'm going to wrap this up so these guys can take over the set so Kale can get ready for another show. Um, Kale, anything else on your heart as we head into the holiday season? No. Happy holidays, everybody. Oh, thanks. That's so nice of you. Um, guys, listen, uh, we this show... We'll be back Wednesday at 12.15 Mountain Time. Going to take a couple of days to enjoy the holidays. Uh, that does not count on Twitter, of course. If stuff's going down in the baseball world, keep tuned in to DNVR underscore Rockies on Twitter. We're going to keep you updated on uh, the things that are happening in the baseball world, especially the things that personally affect us, the followers of the Colorado Rockies. Uh, so keep tuned with that. Kale, where can we follow you on social media? At Kale Sorbo. Kale with two L's. Two L's. Guys, you can follow me at the Susie Hunter on all platforms. And you know what I like to say about closing out a show, Kale? What do you say? say I serious? like to say, get Hestra job gloves. No, I like to say, fuck it, we ball. Uh, we will talk to you on Wednesday, but enjoy the holidays. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Y'all silly like the mayor. 